Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this episode, our experts take a look at the Disney brand and discuss the challenges of managing such a complex enterprise. So sit back and enjoy this edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into the Solving for B podcast. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and today we're going to be talking about a brand that I happen to love. Disney. But I promise I'll keep the doting to a minimum, and instead, we're going to analyze Disney from a brand perspective. Uh, And to help me analyze the brand, uh, I'm joined by Director of Brand Experience, Cynthia Stepech. Hey there. And CEO of Brand Extract, Bo Bodie. Hello, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for stopping in today, guys. Um, Now, as you guys know, I'm a big Disney geek. Uh, and there's a whole lot we yes, could cover we today. <laughs> there's a whole <laughs> lot we could cover today, but um, but just so we can frame the topic better for listeners and kind of keep us on the rails here, uh, today we're going to narrow our focus to what we think of Disney as a brand. Um, more specifically, how well does Disney manage their multitude of brands, and how does their brand promise impact their various business units? Uh, so real quick, uh, just to, to get started, let's define their brand promise. Uh, what is what is Disney's brand? Well, um, let's just look at their mission. You know, it's like, so the Walt Disney Company, you know, their mission is to entertain, inform, and inspire people around the globe, right? Through that, like, power of unparalleled storytelling. So um, if you look at that, just the, the number of, of properties that they've acquired, uh, the areas where they've reached out, you know, now with, like, They've gone beyond broadcast and movies and to streaming, and they've got the parks and the toys and the products and the education. It all ties back to that, you know, yeah. that unparalleled storytelling. Well, and all the way back to Disney, you yeah. know, who was, Walt. I think Walt's mission mm-hmm. was to make people happy. And, you know, you had this whole happiest place on earth vibe. Yeah. You know, I remember as a kid in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, though I wasn't a kid in the 60s. And just that was kind of their thing um, was, you know, this is the happiest place on earth. And Walt Disney would walk out and talk about that before all his shows. And Mm -hmm. um, those that's the ethos of that brand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And as they've grown, it's been interesting to watch them add brands, add things that might contradict that or Mm -hmm. change that. You know, if if your job is to make people happy, but you're sharing news that may make people sad, thus a more corporate or a change in the mission around storytelling right. um, tends to happen. Yeah. So do we think um, do we think they do a good job of, and we touched on it a little bit, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. Do we think they do a good job of staying true to that mission statement, to, to the one that, that Cynthia, you, you mentioned? I think they do a great job at it, and they have to. I mean, it, when you look at what they've become, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it again, starting with Walt and Mickey and everything, but they, they are a large conglomerate, you know? Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of things, and you have to stay true to that, so. Yeah, we're referring to your employees as cast members, and, you know, the whole storytelling thing is a big part of it. You know, we were talking about, what is it, Waking Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, um, yeah. And the, and the kind of rebirth of Disney animation. Um, that's always been a theme through everything they do, and mm-hmm. if, if you look at the acquisitions they've made of Marvel, you look at the acquisitions they've made of ESPN, now Fox, you know, it, those are good, they're incredible storytelling mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not be the same media that they started when it was cartoons, yeah. um, but it, it, it does fit 
and the way that the stories are delivered when you look at some of the you know 40 for 40 and the stuff they do on ESPN mm-hmm. I mean it's not just about reporting the news it's about telling a story or a narrative right and I think you also have to look at like how strategic a lot of these like acquisitions have been that it's like you know obviously it's like like yourself Disney fans or nerd loyal. <laughs> the official you know, term is nerd. <laughs> we'll call you geek, we geek out to Mickey, right? But you know, it's like they, I think, have been really strategic about who they've acquired. It's like you got to think about Marvel, right? And you've got a fanatic fan base, you know? It's, yeah. It is similar. It's a little bit different. It skews different for the comic crowd, you know? But it's like they've, they've it's, it's a smart move. And even for like Star Wars, it's yeah. the same thing. You know, it's a fanatic fan base. So it's like, you know, they could have, you know, I, I think it, it lines up with who they're, um, audience already is, and it expands it out yeah. into a bigger universe. Well, and we we were watching Bob Iger uh, on the Masterclass, and he was talking about um, you know the, the the acquisition of Marvel, and he thought you know he had a little bit of trepidation, at least a little bit at first, um, because there is to Bo's point, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily quite align because there's some violence and maybe it's a little bit more adult kind of ideas, but. The way that he he was able to, I don't say the word justify, but the way he was able to come to terms with it or, or make it, you know, understand understand that it fit, was that Marvel is this incredible storytelling brand. So it's it's as well as as you, you touched on but Star Wars, Luke, yeah, right, and it, and it has a built in fan base, um, much like Disney, much like my my brethren. Uh, but did um, you see how dark some of those old Disney comics were? I mean, <laughs> you got a you know a whole a whole forest of thorns grows up around an entire castle that falls asleep. I mean, you know, I, it's not like Disney's never gone like mm-hmm. pushed it mm-hmm. and put fear or sadness into the stories they tell and so Bambi. the marvel i know my gosh <laughs> it's <know>, gut wrenching <laughs> well, but when you add all that together i mean there's really no uh, the marvel stories you know other than maybe some of the how how in the comic books people start to accentuate characteristics of people uh, yeah. um, <laughs> that might push the limit but the stories of you know Captain America falling on hard times or losing his his mm-hmm. long lost love or I mean those are all those are all stories that are Disney as stories. old as time right yeah I mean right. that's the way it is and I could start singing start singing that's that's what I was about to say that yeah that'll be portion of this yeah that'll be for intermission guys don't worry I'll get I'll I'll serenade you guys as old as time so I so I'm I'm curious. We, you know, we're talking about all these these different um, brands that they've acquired, and how 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 do we think? Because we don't have any working knowledge or in, you know internal inside knowledge about how do we think they're able to uh, integrate these brands into the fold the way that they have? It, it seems because you know th- there's pushback. I think early on, someone who follows this kind of stuff sometimes there's pushback early on. Oh, Disney's going to acquire this or whatever. Right. But it, it right. seems to kind of fans. Right so from that specific property or whatever, they start to panic. Right, like, exactly. Oh, they're going to soften up the whole. Right, you yeah, know, they're going to destroy the brand. Yeah, they're going to. They're going to. They're going to. Yeah. Or, or investors watch their Marvel stock slow yeah, down yeah. as it becomes a part of Disney. But <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're all those stories too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what do we think? Like, how are they able to uh, integrate those brands? And and seemingly, in the end, maybe it's not without problems here and there. But how do they? Make those come together and in in a in a synergistic way. Let's call it. I 
can say that, you know, Disney's confident in who they are and what they deliver, the value they bring, you know. I mean, it's a, a cultural thing. And I think that with that confidence, and this is probably part of the Disney brand too, is like allowing Marvel or, um, you Lucasfilm. know, Lucasfilm Pixar, I mean, stay yeah. what they are yeah. and stay true to that fan base. I think that's part of it too. I think it's, like we were saying earlier, kind of like a very strategic move on their part to buy uh, or to acquire, like, for example, like Lucasfilms yeah. and Star Wars, uh, so that it's like it, it lines up with their values in some mm-hmm. way or their mission, what they're delivering. I think the other thing, too, that, you know, that goes into their mission is like, devo- you know, it's delivering the most innovative experience yeah. out there, going yeah. out to the parks, The parks right? is, yeah, great And it's like, so if you look at what's been done with Star Wars, it's like it has been innovative, you mm-hmm. know, they... They were really groundbreaking in '77 with Star Wars out there, so it's like it's that's already kind of baked into it, you know. Right. So. Yeah, and I think so. You mentioned the the like the innovation and part of. It. I think to your point, it, so going back and I'll, I'll show my 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 nerdery here, but um, you know, Walt was one of the first, or the Disney company. I'm not sure if it was Walt Disney himself, but um, they were the first to experiment with like layered animation, and and so they mm-hmm. they kind of pioneered oh, yeah. that, and then you so they. They with Pixar, they were kind of them and DreamWorks were at the forefront of that computer animation. Right. And then you go into the parks. You talk about the parks and that mm-hmm. the innovation that you bring there. And you know, Star Wars fans who think, oh, we're, they're going to soften it up. No, we're, they're allowing Disney to like, uh, excuse me, they're allowing uh, Star Wars fans to to be in the movie, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. they, you get to go to Galaxy's Edge Batu, and you get to go talk to people who are of Batu, and they have these backstories, and they immerse you. And there's a there's next year, twenty yeah twenty twenty one I believe, yeah. they're they're coming. There's going to be a resort where you go, and you're it's it's almost like you set sail on a cruise, but you're not actually going anywhere. But it's a two night thing. A two, you have two nights stay, and it's your, it's basically your whole story is a Star Wars story. So think about that. So prior to the acquisition of Star Wars, it's like Star Wars fans had the movies, you had the books, you know. The talking about figures. The action figures. <laughs> Got them all. I know, right? Right. Um, and, and so it's like it was all kind of in that realm, right? Now, thanks to Disney, you can get inside the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. You can ride it. You can pilot it, which yeah. is crazy. It's like it's, it's 10-year-old a, me, my head would have exploded. Exactly. It's something but you've it's been like, dreaming of for 30 years, 40 years. But this you know? goes back to the whole thing, that it's like it was a, a, a great move on their part. Now, I don't know how happy George Lucas is about all this, <laughs> you know. But if you think about the brand of Star Wars and then the brand of Disney and this this marriage, it's like, it gives it all these new opportunities to allow people to experience this immersive storytelling, yeah. which about as as immersive as you could get back in the day was like a video game, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But now it's like you can get into the ships. You can, yeah. You, you can, can interact live. with the characters. You can drink blue milk. You can, oh, gosh. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I, I, mean I think in, in thinking about it from a branding standpoint, you know, Disney Disney does take it on the chin sometimes. You know, people just like to pick on the know, biggest the, guy in the, the leader, room. right? Yeah. Um, and but none of this would work. Back to your kind of your question about you know what makes it to where they can assimilate these different themes and and companies. 
Because I think they're, for the most part, as big as they are, pretty true to what their mission is. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think they live it, and I think they believe it. Mm-hmm. And that it may not always be the nicest, and it may not always work the best, and it may not always be the most employee-friendly. And, yeah, I mean, you know, you, we can pick on everything. Um, but they've been able to hold this together because I think they stay pretty true to what they're trying to deliver. They're not mm-hmm. saying they're delivering, you know, the most environmentally, you know, most friendly thing in the world. They're mm-hmm. they're delivering stories and yeah. they're they're storytelling and they're delivering experiences. Experience. And you know, maybe they have shifted from the happiest place on the world to mm-hmm. the most entertaining place on the mm-hmm. world. But mm-hmm. you know, those are shifts that brands make. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to live up to the happiest place in the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the factors that that um, contributes to why Disney is able to be successful and able to live, what's made them a successful brand is that the people that work there absolutely buy into that mission. They absolutely um, believe it. I mean, you if you go to a Disney park, for example, um, everyone is incredibly nice, incredibly helpful. I mean, there's all these stories where, you know, and some of them are true, some of them aren't, but, you know, cast members is what they call their employees. They're not allowed to tell you no, or that's not my, you know, that's not my job, or that's not my department. They're, if they don't know an answer to something, something they're empowered to go and help you because you were the most important, um, you were the most important person there to them. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it, it's you know it it's it's in the the language it's in the buy-in of the people who are on the front lines and are you know it's a that's a brand touch point, um, and frankly that's how they are able to um, to draw in people like me. I can speak for myself. That's that's what hooked me to the brand. Mm-hmm. The movies are great; they're fine. I love the acquisitions, all that kind of stuff. And but that was secondary to me. It was always about that feeling and that experience that I got. When I walk through those, like when you walk into the park, yeah, it's a transformation, and and it's and everyone there is experience. exactly, and you're immersed. I mean, we use the term immersion and innovation, and you're you are immersed in the surroundings, you're immersed in the parks, you're immersed in that whole experience, and it's and it comes down to the little things. Uh, you know, Magic Kingdom is built um, a story up, and there's a whole. You know, um, I'm sure everybody's heard about the tunnels underneath Magic Kingdom, and but that's so that nobody who's supposed to be in um, in Tomorrowland is stuck in the <clears throat> in Frontierland. You know, because that would mess up the magic, right? That would mess up the show. <laughs> it would break the show for I'm you. I'm happy you said that because it really is. It's kind of magic. It's like it looks like magic. Now there's a lot of engineering and planning sure. that goes into it. You know, but the it's delivering on that, you know, brand promise. It's all true to the brand that they're trying to show. It feels like it. It feels like magic, you know? And I think that's the start of every movie, too. Every program, it's like, it's got that essence. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it it goes down, It again, it goes down to to that even lower level where we mentioned a couple times, they're not employees, they're cast members. When they talk about, you know, not, they talk about being like on stage and backstage. When they're, you know, when they're on break and stuff, they're not on break in the break room, they're backstage. Um, it's, you know, they, they don't deal in terms of transactions, they deal in terms of experiences. It's all, it even comes down to just the language that I think mm-hmm. um, Disney uses. And, and that's the buy-in from that, mm-hmm. that lower level, I, I say the lower level, the, the people who are interfacing with, with, not 
not clients, uh, guests. A- yeah. Again, it's kind it's like that all front, front of the house. Exactly, it's yeah. all of these things. It's all it's it's a common shared language. We read books here to get mm-hmm. a common shared language, but it's everybody pulling in that right direction. And I think, at least for me, when I look at the brand, to me that's that's why they've been so successful. That's one of the reasons they've been so successful. Because mm-hmm. um, the employees, they're bought in exactly. 100%. Exactly. The, yeah. the cast members are. The cast members. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, how, how do you guys think, um, or what do you attribute Disney's success to, you know, in this industry for so long? Um, you know, there's, um, it, it's not like this industry is without competition. Now, granted, Disney's buying up a lot of it. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's not like it's without competition, and it's you know they've been at or near the top for you know better part of uh, a century, you know at this point. So, what do you what do you guys think? No, about I was gonna it? say actually, it's like I think it would be beneficial for I don't know. It, it's like they've purchased Fox. Yeah, yeah, they purchased ABC. Yeah, they purchased um, ESPN, they, History Channel. I think Discovery. I'm pretty sure National Geographic recently. I mean. Mm-hmm. There's, they're they're um, wide ranging in the in the properties that they own, and that's not, I mean, we're dealing and you touched on a little bit at the open, Cynthia. Um, we're talking about stuff mostly stateside, but they've, I mean, they're across the the world. Yeah, yeah they've got theme parks on at least three continents. Um, they've they've got they have you know, language schools. Yeah, they have language schools, and they're yeah. you know they're teaching. Uh, children in other uh, countries English right I yeah. mean uh, it's it it is a brand that has that you know, Disney lore will tell you that Walt always said that you remember one thing it all started with a mouse to think that it started with a mouse <laughs> and it has grown into this this yeah. empire I'm just curious on your guys thoughts of, of how um, how how we think it's been able to start at a mouse and become this whole thing is there I mean obviously it's not one thing but well, if you think about it, like around the time Walt started, Walt, we're on a first name, yeah. <laughs> um, started animating, you know, there, there were a lot of, um, you know, animation studios being born at that moment. And even if you look forward, like through like the entire like Looney Tunes type Warner Brothers mm-hmm. properties and like that, it, it's not too different, you know, they have their own parks and everything else. But, you know, as far as like with Disney, you know, I think it's that they are, um, they're so authentic and true to that original magic, promise of magic, the promise of storytelling that differentiates them in such a way that it's like it's allowed them to develop this fan base that have like such a strong emotional connection with them that not to pick on anyone, but it's like I don't have that strong emotional connection to Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. I just don't. To me, it's like Warner Brothers, a respected brand, you know, it's this kind of umbrella for a lot of other, might be streaming, broadcast, you name it, whatever type programs. But not to the point of Disney. There's some things like that's been like almost like culturally ingrained and, you know, every kid since the, uh, er, this is now a global phenomena, you know, that it's like, it's just, it's just got that certain je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah, they're nice. Yeah. I mean, I think they just, they've been true to who they said they were going to be. Yeah. I mean, they have always been great storytellers and they've yeah. always been, you know, they open up with, 
somebody's mom died or something, a fire or something mm-hmm. happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they kind of tap into what at the time really are controversial mm-hmm. issues, but they pose them in a way that they're relatable and they're not controversial, you know, and they, right. they, they can, the, the stories and things they tell, whether it's through experiences with cast members, physical experiences or visual experiences or, or media, mm-hmm. you know, they, they can tell that story in a way that it can capture a wide range of ages. Um, and I think they train to that. I think they invest in the right things. You know, they're smart about the acquisitions they make, you know, they, they buy other, deep you know Iger was talking about on his his podcast thing you know you know they've got a fan base well it's way beyond the fan base I mean it's an, and it's way beyond mm-hmm. being rabid you know it's like a, a belief in something you know a, a relatable kind of quality and I think that it, all the way back to the mouse Mickey Mouse is pretty relatable yeah, you know yeah. and kind of just do 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 kind of figuring it out kind of thing mm-hmm. that happens in all of these and yeah. I think that that kind of part it taps into that part of us that that wants to explore and wants to see new things and right. wants to think about the world but in a place that's safe and secure yeah. um, but in a way that's deeper than just right. basic entertainment yeah. yeah well and so there for me you know again it, it can be argued that I've been indoctrinated, but um, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, when Walt thought up Disneyland, which gave way to Disney World, which gave way to Disneyland Paris and, you know, Hong Kong and all all these different parks and experiences, you know, he he said that he wanted, what inspired him to create Disneyland was that he wanted somewhere where he could spend time with his uh, children, um, that they could both have fun. And so I think... Another reason why the brand itself has endured mm-hmm. um, is because you've tapped into something so um, innate to people, you know, spending time with your children. I mean, and, and if you can both have having fun with your children, like who can't relate to that? Who doesn't want to spend quality time with the ones that they love? Um, there are moments, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you understand me. Um, but, but, you know, if you think about it, I'm sure there has been a ton of background analysis on that target audience. It's like families, moms, the kids. It's like what's going to resonate with them, you know? It's like so what does it make sense, like, for the offerings at the parks or online or through the movies? So, which is all very thought out, you know? And oh, it's yeah. like there is that kind of mm-hmm. soft, sweet emotional squishy side of it and then there's a lot of i'm sure deep research that goes into the decisions sure. on what to feature in whatever x is you know right. yeah but the stories i mean but even you know the, there's the sweet part of it but it's always pretty deep i mean when you really dig into what's behind yeah. star wars or what's behind marvel comics and the 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 issues that the characters have had to go through and the depth that they've you know all that kind of stuff i mean it i think the best contrast is that contrast between dc and marvel i mean marvel's dc is a pretty dark con i don't ever see you know that they they may pick and choose a character you know i mean peter parker's pretty yippy skippy so he kind of can jump across but the rest of those Marvel characters, I mean, the rest of those DC <laughs> characters are pretty dark. And they've got really dark, <laughs> yeah, they got really dark backgrounds. Yeah. And, you know, Superman maybe-ish. But, you know, most of the Marvel characters, they've got some kind of darker. Yeah, yeah but is. most of the Marvel, most of the Marvel characters, they've got a, like, wholesome, 
back, but they also have some sort of dark backstory yeah. that that we can relate to. You know, yeah. that 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 we're tormented just enough to where mm-hmm. I, it captures the adult part of me, sure. um, or the the deeper part of me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that they do that. They just do that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I I thank you very much for indulging me on this, um, but. Cynthia, it looks like you have something to add to the conversation. So um, I wanted to talk about the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. Just as far as challenges, because we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of the bright side of yeah, this. Yeah, things that they've done. But well. I want to look at a little bit like the challenges going forward yeah, on it's it. Yeah, that's a great place to... So, uh, that's a great place to, to, to go, I think. Yeah. So um, just, you know, going to like, you know, so maybe like what are the biggest brands... Stre- brand and strategic challenges for Disney as they dive into streaming with Disney Plus and diversifying their assets. So, you know, it's probably been a little bit in the news as far as, like, the how successful Disney Plus is going to be. Going back to the whole thing about making start, smart strategic moves, always looking at innovation, you know, I'm a little worried for them on this, you know, because I think usually they make great bets, like Pixar, awesome. Yeah. You know, Marvel, really smart moving everything into disney plus does worry me a bit you know as far as it comes to like accessibility of the media and those programs that are near and dear to people's hearts so yeah they've they've get i think you know there was a big thing when dvds and you know dvd to streaming was all coming out and they were you know they they went big on copyright and they went big on you know, v- VHS copying. And I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it got to be, and I think they pulled back a little bit on it. Now they, they've done a good job of really working to protect their assets, mm-hmm. um, but gatekeeping them behind, you know, one or a few or being onerous to share these stories could affect them. And so, you know, as a Disney plus subscriber, um, it'll be interesting to see how they roll things out, you know, right. and that they did the same thing in DVD where they didn't release, they wouldn't rent, you know, some of the old stuff and then yeah. they re-released them, you know. I mean, Which makes sense. It's like you kind of... Yeah, retool and re-release yeah. and reinvigorate, but I think sometimes that can be seen as selfish and this is not that brand. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I think they're a little late to the streaming game too. And I, so, I agree. Um, I agree. It'll be. It, it will be interesting to see how that. Yeah. Affects their audience. Which I get, you know, and it's like they, you know, they have that care, and you know, they want to respect their, you know, titles, movies, whatever. Um, but I think also there's a little bit of like, you know, you have to cut these things loose, mm-hmm. so they live out there in the universe, so that it's like. The audience beyond, you know, where you kind of like relegated and corralled all these uh, programs, you know, can continue to live on. So, yeah, and I think so with Disney Plus, um, you know, it is it is becoming a more and more crowded um, industry. The streaming, you know, streaming services. So it will be interesting to see if they're able to differentiate, if they're able to, you know, because. You know, I guess Netflix is the is the giant in that industry, and, and you know there's some ground to make up there. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see do they do they pull all of? I mean, I, I assume they pull all their stuff from Netflix. I know some of it's still there now, but do they ultimately pull everything from all the other competitors? And you know, mm-hmm. like completely yeah, and, how, and then how sad is my daughter? And then how does that affect? <laughs> I mean, how does that affect yeah. the Disney brand over time? Right. Yeah, yeah. 
because for families have to pick and choose and we get more value because everybody can want has, has more interest in this type of streaming service well you know you lose diversity and then what yeah. does that do yeah. yeah. Well, and another another threat, I guess, to uh, to Disney or, or, or place where we we might question them is, um, you know, in their theme parks, there's they've they're consistently going up on their their ticket prices. Um, mm-hmm. They and and there's been a lot written and a lot said about, well, they might be trying maybe actively trying to price people out because they want to thin crowds out or whatever it may be. So I, I do wonder. There, I mean, the 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 um, the theme parks. You know, every time I'm there, which is pretty mm-hmm. regularly, um, but every time I'm there, they seem to be pretty packed and crowded. <laughs> they don't seem doesn't seem like <laughs> they're missing say, out, well, right? They don't, they don't seem to be missing out on yeah. on people. But um, I'm curious. I'll, I'll be I'll be watching closely to see. Yeah. Um, if that's a little bit of a balance between back to that, like business decisions and what you're mm-hmm. offering as far as this brand. And how does that affect brand perception and, and people's yeah. alignment with the brand? Right. Yeah. Well, guys, again, thank you for indulging me. Uh, this was, um, you know, obviously, uh, an episode that I thoroughly enjoyed. It's the Chris uh, Wilkes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening to this on repeat when it comes out. So, but thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll let you run. Thanks. 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 Thanks for tuning in to this installment of Solving for B. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're interested in more insights or podcast episodes, check out brandextract.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Solving for B with Brand Extract. <laughs>